Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. No one? He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. The word lynching came from his last name. His methods were very simple, but they were diabolical. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. Because obviously, you have lost it. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Happy Festivus, happy holidays, all that jazz. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and sometimes the uncanny Daryl B. I see the uncanny has just beamed up to the mighty Afternoon Radio machine spaceship. Um, a lot to unpack per usual. We're going to talk a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot. Pardon me, a lot about pop culture, pulp culture, and some social political fare. Uh, a young man attending the esteemed Ivy League institution, uh, local to our, to where we are broadcasting, actually, Columbia University. And he has a racist meltdown or a, a white supremacist or white nationalist meltdown. He loves white people. I love white people. I love white people. I mean, oh, man. <laughs> it's crazy, people. It's crazy. Uh, I feel nothing. <laughs> On that, but it's it's, it's uh, I feel so proud to be in my own skin. I'll talk about it, but um, I hope people of color just kind of look back at that and say, you know, you got a problem. <laughs> you're, you're a little crazy. You're a little loopy. 
we'll we'll get it in, folks. Um, Elseworlds talk. Uh, the mighty Daryl B. I want to pick his brain because there's some things that we discussed last week, like the Avengers trailer. We unpacked that, but uh, I don't think we formally heard from him. So again, a lot to get into, people. So uh, the call-in number is six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. Definitely use the use our number. When you call in, simply press one. That way, we know you certainly want to join in on the fun, join in on the discourse. And then there's there, then we have, of course, our urban alternative music breaks. We play Afro punk, black rock. Uh, black indie, and uh, matter of fact, let me mention this quickly, and then we'll go to this groove. We're, we're, obviously, we're going to play black indie from a Christmas or holiday perspective. Definitely check out our Instagram page. That's Instagram.com forward slash Afro Nerd underscore Radio. Simply go to Instagram Afro Nerd underscore Radio. Uh, the Uncanny was at a concert, a live performance uh, from a, of, of a brass outfit, like a brass instrumentation and hip-hop. Very, very interesting. I wish I was there. I, I, I really like alternative sounds. There's a lot of things going on out there, a lot of talent that many folks are not aware of, and the, and the mighty Daryl was in attendance. So if you go to our Instagram page, you'll see a snippet of that performance and also other things going on. Uh, on Instagram. Okay, let's go to this. Let's go to this groove, and we'll be we'll be right back. This is from the late. I, I was hit hard. I think she passed the same year as Prince, um, or maybe a year after. Sharon Jones, ain't no chimneys in the projects. That's for sure.
Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects by the late, great Sharon Jones. All right, folks, let's get into this. Uh, first up, he is the captain, Captain James T. Kirk of the mighty Afro-Nerd Enterprise. Captain, you're simply needed on the floor of the holodeck. Let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Okay, I got caffeine in my system, so I'm feeling myself. All right? Now, what I want to hear from Daryl is about his boy, though it's not his boy, but it's his boy, though it's not his boy, the James Gunn, Brightburn. I want to hear what he has to say about that, you know, because we all know Superman is Daryl's boy, even though this is not Superman, but is it Superman? Back over to you, Afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Brightburn. Oh, yeah, that should be quite interesting. Okay, um, without further ado, the mighty eidetic one, the uncanny Daryl B. <laughs> Let's just simply bring him in. The uncanny Daryl B, folks. Uh, firstly, before I begin, uh, my thanks to La Pouzon Rouge for hosting last night. The band's name is Brass Against. It's, it's, uh, it's an ensemble band that, that plays covers of stuff like Rage Against the Machine, Tool, uh, um, in living color uh, and 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 other other joints. So the uh, the, the lead band for them last night was Captive. They're they're more you know, a rock instrumental, but uh, Brass Against and their lead singer Sophia is just absolutely amazing to see live. She 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 rocked the joint. Um, but check them out you, uh, on YouTube and and Facebook. Go ahead. Check out some of their videos, and then come back to me and say that isn't good music. And about Brightburn, yeah, that's legit. That is 100% legit. If they do it like how Marvel has done some of the Spider-Man horror stories, where Spider-Man gets bitten and and it doesn't exactly turn out like Spider-Man, if they could do that with Superman, that's legit. Because I like, uh, uh, from from, uh, cut one of the trailer all the way through, I could tell you each and every Superman mythos that they inverted to do this. So that that looks legit. So let's roll. All right, let's back up a little bit because, again, we haven't spoken to you for a minute, and uh, we covered some, some really integral um, goings-ons, Daryl. La- last week, you know, the, the Internet kind of blew up because, you know, Brightburn was secondary, maybe even tertiary. The first thing was the Avengers 4 Endgame, you know, we the, the title was disclosed. I mean, the title was kind of floating out there, but it was confirmed. Avengers Endgame. Um, what were your impressions of that trailer? My impressions is that trailer did what exactly it was supposed to do. All right? I, I heard, like, wait, where's the jokes? Where's the jokes? And I'm like, aren't you the same guys that complained that all oh, Marvel is is jokes? They don't take anything seriously. Well, you lost half of the bloody universe 
You're expecting them to choke <laughs> after that? So, like, so you begin on a morose note, build it slowly, and you don't reveal a thing. That's what they did. The only thing they put out on that trailer where I call BS on is they, they had as one of the missing heroes, Shuri. I'm like, if she disappeared, I think you would have had to show that on the film. Don't, don't do the happenstance. But as Marvel's want, and, and this is the great thing they do, just as like, it's doom and gloom, it's doom and gloom, it's doom and gloom. Who you have show up at the end? Paul Rudd. Hey, remember me at the airport? You know, hey, could you let me in? Is this a tape? No, I think this is live. You know, right there, there's the one, like, like something to, to so is it a total, I got to cut all my wrist moments, you know? So they did, uh, it, it, it whets the appetite for the second trailer that will show more, and if guys like AfroNerd have their way, they want more, and I'm telling you right now, only two freaking trailers, that's it. Don't reveal a single thing after the second trailer. Just roll with it. Next. All right. You spoke a little bit about um, Brightburn. Oh, you know what? Before I even ask you about Brightburn, let me just mention one little tidbit. This is a shout back to the Bill Maher controversy. Did anyone notice that NASA, you know, NASA, (laughs) the government uh, space Exploration Agency That NASA had a cute response On Twitter to uh, Tony Stark and the Avengers Did anyone pick up on this? Oh yeah 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 so, think I, I, That has to be made note of uh, Again Referencing What Bill Maher does not know That if you, ha- if you have NASA these are, these are serious People they're sending probes to Mars, okay? When, when, when NASA responds in kind of a knee-jerk way, saying, hey, Tony Stark, we got your back. We're going to send somebody to get you. And then Marvel says, and I'm paraphrasing, and Marvel says, um, duly noted. You know, we, we, we understand that. That's a conversation that occurs from the imagination to the reality. That those people that are that are um, cre- that are putting up those calculations to ensure that these robots go robots and humans face successfully, that what what they needed some of the energy that was required for them to do that is from Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Bob Kane, Siegel and Schuster, and so forth. Okay, so. So well, you know that's said, that's something yeah. that's something that that Bill Maher, you know, he was stuck in 1960 when he was reading comic books, not realizing that comic books just can't be goofy, uh, frivolous fare if NASA is on the case. Enough said. Yeah, I, I should say that to two other things. NASA must have the Twitter person that works Wendy's working for them. Because NASA, did you guys see their comeback to Steph Curry? Oh, yes. I heard about that, yeah, too. I saw that. <laughs> All right, star with Golden State recently just put out there, hey, I don't believe the moon landing actually happened. So NASA being NASA, well, Mr. Curry, we, 
We appreciate your opinions. And if you would like, you could come down to our, our headquarters and we will show you the, our proof that the moon landing did happen. What do you say after that? NASA just said, well, we heard your stupid line. So let us prove it to you. Come down. We'll show you that it happened. That's A. And B, on the star tip, I didn't pick it up. I got to pick it up later. But uh, one of the people in our circle, uh, Brandon Easton, he's got a Star Trek story in the new anthology one shot that came out today, Star Trek Waypoint. So just to let people out there know, Q, that book is out there with stories from, I think, four or five, five of the Star Trek shows. They got like little stories, sort of like how DC's doing their holiday and nuclear winter specials and how they just did their DC talent show. We'll know that that's out there. Let's go. Can I say something real quick? Sure. Okay. I I actually have a diatribe on that moon landing, but I, I, I just compress it real quick based on this. There is a reflector on the moon that reflects back lasers so they can tell the distance. Of the moon. Now, the problem with these individuals on both sides, and when I'm lying, NASA has to address all people, because anyone who studies film and anything else in depth, those what they showed people right there, that's bullocks. Also, the tin can that they put out in space, allegedly, that's bullocks. Also, the spacesuits by their own scientists say they would not protect you from the Van Allen belts. Now, just say briefly. It's not the fact that they didn't go to the moon. They went to the moon. They just didn't go with that technology that they went to the moon with. That's what it is when you look at everything. Let's just buy the buy. There you go. <laughs> and let me mention quickly, since Daryl, respectfully, when he mentioned Brandon, you know, Brandon was one of the, one of the early callers and early participants of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine. And, again, we have quite a few folks that have, come through our halls and have gone, gone on to do bigger and better things. Uh, Easton, m- most notably, we know from Watson and Holmes. Watson and Holmes is his independent work that is a spin, obviously, on the Sherlock Holmes mythology, but with uh, African-American analogs. It's essentially an African-American version of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. And also, uh, we have to give him kudos because he was brought in when Agent Carter was out, I think the second season of Agent Carter, I believe the second season, um, he was brought in as a writer. So, you know, uh, this is, again, for, uh, someone that we, we have been following and who we, we, we run into on occasion. Matter of fact, we may run into him next month when all of us are in attendance at the Schomburg Black Comic Book Festival. All right, so, Daryl, let's get to this Brightburn deal. We spoke about Bright, Brightburn uh, last show, and to the listening audience, for those who, of course, I would advise the, the, the listenership to, if you didn't see, if you didn't, pardon me, if you didn't hear the last show, check it out. Well, we were talking about this trailer that hit the internet last week that appears to be um, a serious horror, horror parody of the Superman story with an alien infant arriving on arriving from some distant planet, we're assuming it's not Krypton, but you, you, know, you know the look, everything points to 
this is this is poking fun clearly at the uh, Cal L origin, except whereas that whole story has a, a kind of Americana goodwill, uh, benevolent child. This child appears to be malevolent. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's like Plutonian. We spoke about this too. That uh, Irredeemable from Boom Studios going back, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago now, because time does fly. That was one of a number of stories that um, highlighted the notion of not the Superman, but a Superman who is off the rails, patently evil. So what are your impressions of this James Gunn, the Gunn family? This is a family affair putting this together. What are your thoughts about this, Daryl? Like I said, visually from the trailer, it inverted everything in the, the early Superman mythos. That is genius, okay? And folks uh, not getting what, what I said before, okay? Every couple of years, Marvel puts out what-if books, okay? And they love using Spider-Man because, let's face it, Spider-Man's one of the luckiest heroes on Earth because any number of things could go possibly bad with his fights and things. You know, we all talk about the Parker look and how bad it could go, but he usually, nine times out of ten, he saves lives, but he still has some measure of bad luck, okay? Just think about the super, uh, Superman mythos and think about how white, I'm sorry to say it like this, but I'll say it like this, how white and positive they all are. Okay? Stop me if you heard this before. Okay? Uh, exploding planet. A baby launched from an exploding planet by itself. Flies through a nebula with no asteroids following it. Lands on Earth with little to no damage in the darkness of night. It can pass for human. It can pass for white human. By a friendly family in a nice rural farm. <laughs> they notice the powers, but they're so far away from everybody else that no one else sees it. They're able somehow to train said kid on how to use their powers without actually hurting them. I mean, how perfect is that setup? That is so beautiful. That is so 100%. You know, that's like an idyllic situation. Let me snap my fingers now. It is 2018 in America. If that that spaceship crash landed on Earth, it's probably got radiation on it, which would kill uh, anything in proximity or at least make it very sick. Asteroids would have followed that ship through the, the belt and freaking destroyed stuff all around it, okay? Who's to say you got the perfect family discovering this kid? Who's to say the kid doesn't freaking accidentally kid, kill said family not knowing the use of his powers or whatever? Who's to say that when this kid grows up, he doesn't get intoxicated by his powers? Like I said, the Superman mythos, I love them. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's idyllic. Snap your fingers and wake up. It's 2018. What do we got that's idyllic around us? 
That's why this is genius. Okay? That's why this 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 may be one of them sleeper hits like uh what was the film company we were talking about with upgrading things? Um Blumhouse. 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 That's what that that's what this feels like. Uh, something that's gonna be <laughs> the dark inner pinning. Think about it. The kid that's not Superman. Alright? He has his first brush with puberty and he has super strength. Can't you guys see the danger in that? I mean, it was perfect. Mom Pa can't in the regular comics, I'm not talking about Man of Steel. In the regular com- I'm not talking Man of Steel. In the regular comics, they taught him how to control. And Clark had the self-control. Uh, obviously, this kid will not have that self-control. So if this kid doesn't have self-control, and it's a, a, essentially Jason with the powers of Superman, how are you stopping this kid? I'm just saying that's where this is genius, because it is so e- it is so easy to turn the Superman mythos like 90 degrees to the left, and now you have horror fuel, nightmare fuel, and that's what it looks like the guns are doing. Uh, again, for all those I saw people hating on it. Oh, guns hating the superhero movie. Look at what he's doing. Da da da. He's about to cabin in the woods this whole, this whole, the Superman mythos. And I'm going to be there to watch this. This is going to be cool. Back to you, Afro Nerd. One, one problem, though. One problem. Oh, okay. Though, which is really What's not a cap? problem. Which is really not a problem. Let's say this comes out and it does really, really well. You know what that means, right? We're going to get 10 other movies from 10 different other people trying to do the same thing. That's the problem with this. Well, well, you know what? This is good every now and then. A little flash. This is good, you know. And I, and me personally, I like that type of scenario because that makes sense to me. As a child, that would make sense, you know. Superman, I never liked. Sorry, sorry, uh, Dalvin. I never liked Superman. No problem. I like that. I don't like no goody goodies like that. But like this, I like. It makes total sense to me. <laughs> That's me right there, that little kid. That's me. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> this is this is what this is what Hancock tried to do, but they didn't go all the way with it. You sure about that? You sure about they, that? They inverted the adult mythos. They didn't try mm-hmm. to touch the kids' stuff. They didn't try to okay. touch how they was raised. That's why I said this is what Hancock tried to do, but they were too grown up to freaking like undercut everything going to have a chance to undercut everything, all right? And this is where it's different than Irredeemable and different than Injustice because in those universes, the Superman analog or Superman himself was still raised the right way. Even in the Gods and Monsters, that Superman was found by Mexican immigrants, and but he was still raised the right way. This is showing what happens when from jump, we mess up. We really mess up. <laughs> and now you have a Clark Kent analog, Superman analog, that is totally off the rails. We are saying that it's possible that there's no kernel of goodness in this dude. And if there's no kernel of goodness in this dude, 
How are you stopping him? <laughs> oh, think about it. We are going to go into this movie, and they're going to have to, like, introduce a Lex Luthor archetype, and we will have to be rooting for that. Matter of fact, uh, did they hire Michael Rosenbaum on this? Because uh, that's probably the only Lex I'd actually root for. But uh, I'm joking about that. But just think about it, folks. Think about it. You got Superman. You got his foundations, and you invert it all like 90 degrees. How are you stopping that? Back to you, Afro-Nerd. When is the movie due to come out? Next year, 2019, I think, uh, uh, like June of 2019, something like that. It's like like the second quarter of 2019. Okay. So it's a little bit away. It's a little bit away. May have some competition. All right. Right. Um, but I guess my but only thing, know, my only thing with what no. Daryl's saying is I, I still believe that the Plutonian story is the closest to it because, you know, if you really start to analyze who these characters are and what they do, that there again there are a number of, as Daryl said, um, archetypes. Right? There are a number of archetypes that have been used in comic book lore for many, many, many years. Right? But Plutonian. Because I was reading that book, it was interesting because it was irredeemable, and uh, what was the other one? It was the companion one, Daryl? Incor- it, it was the incorrigible. No, it wasn't uh, incorrigible. Uh, it was irredeemable. Look, I, at, uh, where where his his Lex Luthor, they focused on a Lex Luthor type that went like totally good to freaking counteract that, and he got ostracized by his own people. Like, what are you doing? We're villains. How can we be villains when our main hero opposition is the main villain in the world? How can we be villains anymore? It was an interesting thought. It was an interesting play. Well, I, I just found it. It was irredeemable. So I bought both these books. You, you kind of had to. You had ir- this again, folks. We're talking about Boom Studios. It was irredeemable. This Wade. is going back. Yeah, Mark Wade, and this is going back. You know, I said seven. It shows you how time flies. It was literally almost 10 years ago. That book came out in 2009. So, wow. So, literally two, uh, 10 years ago, you had Irredeemable, who was the evil Superman archetype or analog, and you had Incorruptible. Incorruptible was a spinoff that dealt with, that dealt with his um, nemesis that ended up, ended up having to have a conscious conscience and ended up being his rival where it was the other way around. But I, what I say is uh, the Plutonian character started off as a conventional, benevolent hero. I, I'm going to have to reread it. But I remember something happened where, I don't know if there was a mistake or maybe he, didn't, he felt he didn't get his due. Something happened where, uh, where he flipped, where he just... I don't know. Maybe he felt human, humankind didn't didn't give him enough respect. Something happened where he had like a like a mental break. Once he had that mental break, he stood up. He stood up just started killing people. And he was doing indiscriminate, indiscriminate, terroristic acts. And I remember reading the book because he was so powerful, and even the other heroes that were you know in his purview, they really couldn't. F with this guy. It's like literally, if Superman goes rogue, he's going to be a problem, right? 
Well, so, well I, like you said, there's been a bunch of books like that, Kid Miracle Man and the Miracle Man book, okay? That's true, uh, too. Yeah, that's if, another one. If, if, if you were a follower of Invincible, Invincible's father, Invincible's right. father could have been Superman. But, you know, he was leading an invasion force that, that his son, Invincible, had to try to stop. So not only do you have to stop an invasion force full of guys and gals with powers like you, they're being led by your father. What? <laughs> like, oh, oh, that, that's, that's a fresh new hell right there. But, yeah, this, again, where Brightburn differs is, this is starting with him being a kid. Or yeah. we're, we're going to see uh, essentially the building of a Superman horror monster step by step. Oi, the guns, yeah. they got that mind. They got that mind. This, this, well, I may have just told you all of this. Know that James Gunn and his family have probably already thought of this and have thought of counters to this to keep guys like me and guys like Captain guessing. There's something else. There's something else, too. And I mentioned this in the last podcast. You know, again, you have these Sentry, uh, Marvel Sentry, who has a split personality. And, uh, you know, his split personality is the evil part. But, you know, the that's voice. a little... Right, the voice. So that's that's a bit of a complexity there. So, you know, that's kind of a... And he died. We'll see, we, we will see if that character ever comes back. No one really stays dead except for maybe Uncle Ben. You've got to explain Sentry after that. You turn it down me. <laughs> hey, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm shocked he didn't get it to Supreme. How about the... Uh, well, uh, 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 well, we uh, spoke about Supreme not. before. You're interrupting me. I mean, look... I spoke yeah. about this. I spoke about this a few times throughout the show, but I'll just say briefly. Sentry has a whole faux backstory that Marvel created, and I was, I was, uh, my nose was open initially when I first heard about this. Sentry again, squarely, is meant to be Marvel's interpretation of a Superman-like character, and the way the story went, which was patently false, was that. It was a discovered story that was a, that was a Silver Age at the time of the Silver Age. Like in the 60s, they kind of discovered a story like 12 years ago, rediscovered it. It was hidden away somewhere, tucked away. They discovered this, this, this uh, canon, this whole thing, so they, they decided to bring it back. That just wasn't the case. It was never like it – was just, it was just a made-up made um, backstory, right? But this character – when they brought when they brought the character into Marvel mythology, they set it up where all the other characters had some kind of amnesia, right? That this was a guy that was always with the Avengers. He was always a friend of Reed Richards. They just forgot him. So that did that that rung hollow to me. It was like lazy writing. I didn't I didn't like that part. But I, I was what? into the century. I was buying I was buying the book. But what happened is that character again had the powers of the sun or, I don't know, of a thousand suns or something like that. He was, he was, a, he was a Superman. He, he had all of the virtue of a Superman, but his, his arch nemesis was this void, like this, this, this silhouette kind of uh, amorphous evil presence that you later found out was, just, was, was him. 
was just a flip version of himself, a literally a split version of himself. So he's always bi- fighting himself, the void versus the sentry. And at one, I think it's even one point, show you how powerful this character is. He fights the Avengers, if I remember correctly, and he literally splits a god in half. He rips Ares, the the the, the, the Greek god, um, um, Hercules' uh, brother, splits him in half. I mean, to split a human being. Down the middle is one thing with your bare hands to split a god, the god of war. That's what I said. Oh, this guy's a problem. Like that, he's like the one person, the one person that the Hulk it is questions with that guy, with the Hulk and, and, and that power set. That's like the only guy I've heard ever like in, you know he's going to be a problem. And what happened when he fought the Hulk? What happened when he fought him? <laughs> I believe he beat the Hulk. But I mean, he put the Hulk to sleep. Did he beat the Hulk, or was it a stalemate? Or was nah, it a stalemate? Well, Daryl has that memory. I thought he, I thought he was always able to kind of outsmart the Hulk, or rather, or put no, the Hulk to sleep. They, they had that brotherly thing going on. You're a monster. I'm a monster. Da, 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 da. They, it was sort of a continuation, like the Hulk, Wolverine, and Infinity Gauntlet, the original. That's what the Sentry uh, and the Hulk had. Hulk was like, you always understood me even after we punched each other. You know, like, <laughs> that's what they had. That, that's what they had. And that's where I looked at it as genius. This was one of the greatest cranks ever pulled off by a comic book company. They placed those articles in Wizard. Oh, we have discovered this long lost hero that has uh, that that we've had. We've never made use of him. We opened up some corner of Marvel Marvel offices and we found all this information. And oh my God, we have a treasure trove right here. And then as you get caught up in the middle of the story, uh, like April Fools, and by then it 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 felt great. You, I mean. It didn't ruin the, at least the first experience for me. The problem is when you lost Paul Jenkins behind the character who, who was the evil genius with Stan Lee that came up with this whole plan, when you got him pissed off at you, <laughs> coincidentally, by not giving him Inhumans, but that's another story, when you got him pissed off at you and he left, Anybody you brought on Century since that couldn't recapture that magic. It was a combination of satire, nostalgia, and just, oh, so this is how we're looking at the comic book industry now. It was Marvel, like, making fun of, like, it was Marvel's one punch man. Because who's beating him except himself? That's how powerful Sentry was. So we have to give him a weakness? Good. He's a freaking schizophrenic and a partial drug addict. They, 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 they made him Caitlin Snow Darryl. meets, meets, um, uh, meets Patriot. That's what they All did. Right. That's how you corral let's, them. Okay, let's go back. Let's bring it back. Sentry's better than Superman, Daryl. <laughs> there, there he goes. <laughs> uh, just, just, just quick, just quick, and then we're gonna move along. I've got to bring in Q Storm. He's waiting in advance. Now I, I remember. Oh, he left. There, there was a showdown. 
So, you know, listen, I can't remember all this stuff, but I'm looking at it. It was incredible. This is a showdown that's right. World, War, World War Hulk, where they went yes, back to back to one. back. So, so, I mean, these guys, I, it's, really hard, it might, it's really hard to say. I mean, essentially, uh, the Sentry did beat the Hulk, right? I'm looking at it now. But it, it was, I mean, it was so it was so much of a battle, like of like a, a totally enraged Hulk too. You're, you're leveling a totally enraged Hulk. He was totally enraged too through the situation. Yeah, you, like you know, like sometimes you, Hulk gets only it's so so. You could see he was becoming something else. Matter of fact, I'd almost say it was a stalemate, almost because what what happened was. These guys were like ready to let loose. Like, you know, they were in some other. They're, they're going blow for blow for blow. I'm just going to keep it quick. World War Hulk. Hulk seeks revenge actually against his friends who sent him to Planet Hulk. So, and I'm, I'm not even going to go into that. That's like another show. When he <laughs> returns, these two, they're going blow for blow for blow. And they start transforming in the middle of the fight. And essentially, they start reverting to the truth. So they, 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 their powers drained, where they both become human-looking, and then, uh, you know, Hulk turns in the banner and kind of falls down. But both of both of them are bloody heaps. But they, they kind of had this kind of mutual thing, like, wow, this is how this feels, like to let loose. Like, it's, cause it's almost like when you saw uh, in uh, DC Animated when Superman fights a dark side and he says, you know, I always have to hold back. But you're a big boy. <laughs> you can handle this. <laughs> this is when this is when I like Superman. Actually, that's one of the few times I actually like Superman. Cuz he he got he was he got real. He says, I have to always I have to watch everything I do. But with you, I don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, I can let loose on you. So when you that's one of those moments where you see uh, Superman. I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Sentry versus the Hulk. Anyway, let's bring in uh, the Mighty Q Storm, Red Shirts Podcast, and of course, uh, PodcastJuice.net. Michael Dean's illustrious outfit. Um, Q Storm, what's up? Hey, uh, well, I I uh, wanted to call in when you guys were talking about uh, Brightburn. And uh, yeah. you've moved on, so I'll just be real, real brief. Um, well, we're kind of still we're kind of still on it because even when we were talking about um, the century, we were talking about kind of where Brightburn comes from. So we're still kind of in the middle. So you you you, you came right on time. So what are, what are your impressions of Brightburn? Well, we talked about it uh, this on Sunday. I, I I'm all for the trailer. Uh, I was I was all uh, hyped by the trailer. But you guys were talking about how lethal this kid is, and I said, boy, you know, that's what makes it more interesting to me, that this is this kid who has all these powers, kind of like um, the Billy Mooney character from uh, It's a Good Life. But then I thought, who's the other villain who was just psychopathic and was a serious problem? And I'm like, this kid reminds me when he grows up, I'm thinking about um, who was the villain from uh, Jessica Jones? Um, the purple man, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's up there. Yeah, that's up there. Who who was one of the most frightening villains uh, on the you know on the uh, TV Marvel universe? So uh, yeah, you know this this is going to be very interesting. 
Well, yeah, Q, yeah. As, as, as you say that, I'm reminded of a line from Reign of the Superman, which is going to be the next animated feature coming out, but I'm talking about the book, where uh, Lois Lane, uh, the, the new Superboy who eventually becomes Connell, freaking debuts. And Lois Lane just, uh, she's trying to find information about for Superman, so she goes to my cat like, um, have you seen the news? Yeah, and 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 Ma Kent interrupts her and goes like, "Have you seen this boy?" And like, yeah, and like, there's no way that could be my Clark. But and 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 Lois responds, "Well, he's got most of his powers, and let's face it, you didn't raise this boy, because in the news and everything, he's cocky, he's making mistakes, he's flirting, you know." Stuff that Superman, unless it was the drunk alternate dark uh, Christopher Reed from the third one, you know, Superman didn't do that stuff. But if the Kent didn't raise Clark Kent, you know, and he has all of these powers, that's why I said if 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 this boy is being influenced by this Kilgrave type character, yeah, we're all in a load of trouble. I mean. How are you hiding from that? Good luck. <laughs> All right, let's let's move forward um, because, because of time constraints. Uh, I do want to put out some information there, and some, and, and also, of course, I want Daryl to to, uh, to to provide his assistance. So uh, this is an interesting thing going on here on a number of levels. Mark Miller, Scottish writer, Scottish comic book creator, we know him from a number of titles, extremely successful. Um, the Kick-Ass franchise, and so forth. So uh, he has this book called Prodigy, and um, it's interesting. I mean, it's a little simplistic and maybe a little formulaic, right? You know, it's issue one, but I have to take note of it because essentially Prodigy, the, the, the main character, Prodigy is a, the smartest man, right? That's, that's the setup. He's, he's, you see him as a preteen and how he's uh, athletic, how he is the smartest person in the room, and how when you are a preteen, you know, when you are a young person, that may not go over well. Even when you do things that might be, let's say, in a case, I think it was, uh, what was it, a soccer game or something, he, he, um, he helped to win the game, and he was such a show-off, not, not trying to be a show-up, but a guy has skill. Even your teammates may dislike you. And he happens to be a young man of color, so that's refreshing to see that. So, again, you know, I'm on that. Anytime I see black genius as the lead, I have to make note of it. So you have, again, this character, um, uh, Edison Crane. Edison Crane is the, is, the, is the actual name of Prodigy. And you Edison. see that... Edison Crane. His name is Edison, and his name is Prodigy as the or or that that Edison is his first name. Could, could we right. rip off of Marvel anymore? Well, sure. uh, what's going on here? But I mean, there's a couple of things because Miller World was purchased by Netflix. This is a Netflix comic book, so now Netflix. This is, this is when you start to put the pieces together. 
uh, it's not happenstance that we start that we're starting to see the dismantling of of Marvel's Marvel's version of Marvel properties on Netflix. So if we start to see receding of the Marvel shows from Netflix, it's now it appears that they are investing in comic books. They're investing in the R and D component. So you got Miller buying his buying his IPs. Uh, I'm I'm assuming, hopefully, like why would you invest as a film company was as a streaming company invest in a comic book in a comic book um, a public publication? You're you're making your own comic books. You have a noted comic book writer in tow, and not translate this into a film. At least that's that's what I hope ends up happening. But just to you know, give the audience more information, then I'm going to go around the horn. Edison Crane, you see him again, you know, as a preteen going through um, trials and tribulations as a preteen, and you start to see his power set. How even when bullied, even when bullied. He has something for that ass, okay? He will just, okay, I see you. Let me study. <laughs> like Meteor Man, I'll leave it like that. Like Meteor Man, let me study. I will return with a vengeance. That's all. Just, this is just a problem. This is just a problem I have to figure out. So you see him from, that, from, from a preteen, uh, and then at some point you see him as an adult. And what he, what he does really is solve problems. That's like, that's like his thing. He's this world. It is it is established. He's a celebrity of sorts. He appears to be extremely wealthy, and what he does is he picks and chooses problems. Like people that come, you know, they they say they present him with a problem, and if it turns him on or per, turns him on, he will intercede. So again, Prodigy, Miller Miller World, Netflix, Black Bond. Maybe it's a you know a Bondian almost. What are your thoughts about the book, Daryl? What are your thoughts about Netflix's involvement? What are your thoughts about this maybe being mined for a streaming property? Your okay, thoughts, sir? Well, well, again, like I said, look, folks at home who hear me out, I know there's quite a few comic book fans that pay attention to us. Look up Prodigy X-Men. And then go take a look at the character. I'm not saying, I am not saying that Mark Millar ripped off Marvel by doing this character, but uh, Mark Millar ripped off the Marvel by doing this character. He may have added more to it, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. This sounds like a rip job. This sounds like, like, like a, a, a bit of a steal. Granted, Marvel hasn't had Prodigy do much except be a pal around with, with uh, uh, Miss America and uh, America Chavez and, and be in the background of some of the X-Books in a minute. But you named the character Prodigy. <laughs> and then on top of it, his civilian name is Edison. Come on, y'all. Come on. Isn't this... Isn't this the fantastic Negro thing that we always rail against where the black guy has to be, like, almost perfect? <laughs> Isn't that what we're seeing here in a character? You know? Again, it's Millar. He never gets race right. So, uh, 
listen, Netflix wants to do this with him. Fine, fine. I'm more pessimistic on this 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 thing than you. You're a Malar fan. I'm not. So you know, but as in terms of the character, you, you named the like. I saw the name on the book Prodigy, and I'm like, okay, all right. I had no idea it's a black teenage character <laughs> growing up, main prodigy, because then I would have called shenanigans right away. But, hey, shenanigans. Cap? Well, I'll say this. You see, when it comes to superheroes slash supervillain movies, I'm not in a good place right now. See, I, I'm someone that gets bored real easy especially when you put out a lot of product. I'd be more inclined to jump up and down if these things came out once every three months and it was done really well. And I'd really be looking forward, you know, to, oh, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. What I'm pretty sure they do realize and they do not care, whether it's streaming, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, every time you put these things out, you raise the bar. But as you're putting it out at the same time, you're lowering the bar. What do I mean by that? There's so much product out, you can get superhero overload. That's where I am right now. There's so much product out. Whether it's Teen Titans, whether it's The Flash, whether it's what we'll talk about later with the Elseworld. There is so much product out there that it's like, okay, how good is it? And I see what most people do. The so-so, the all-right stuff, they're calling it great. That's not what I see. I'm not seven years ago. I see it as so-so to okay stuff. That's actually what it is. True eyes. A lot of this stuff to me is not really well done. So I go, ah, oh, here we go. That's a great concept. That's not, let's see how well they're going to do it. Uh, it's okay. But here's the problem, though. Screw me, because okay works very well for everybody else. The money's churning out. It's churning. You know? You're bringing up Venom, aren't you? <laughs> no, not just Venom. Everything on Raw. You know? Even Venom. I watch Teen Titans. People are going crazy for, for the, the Titans, right? <clears throat> and I, I watched it. Episode 5, I thought, was, was pretty good. When, you know, when Robin shows up and everything else. I'm like, eh? So what? So what, man? We look how many years we're in with this stuff, man. So I see it's the same thing. You're going to give me so-so to all right. Meaning which, if I wasn't doing this show, I really don't have to watch that. Give me something when you're doing this stuff that's like, yes, this is it. So the bar has been stepped up. That's for me personally. But these people don't care about me. They're just putting it out and they say, okay, we're just going to throw it to you. And everyone's going, oh, it's crazy. I saw, everyone is acting like, and I'm talking about general audience. I'm not talking about the geeks so much. Because at times... The geeks do act like children, but they'll rip you an asshole, too. They'll give it to you. You know, general audience is like, wow, such and such, such and such. They're going crazy for this stuff. And it's not good. You're being hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Bamboozled a lot of times. So, you know, this right here seems like a great story. You know, it seems like a great story. Let's just see how it plays out, where it's going to move to. Everyone is trying to do their own Marvel Universe type of thing and make money. And everything else, and I think some of that stuff will be good, but it's going to be a lot of so-so, a lot of all right, and some bad with it. Very few good. 
Back over to you, Alert. Yeah, well, just for Daryl's edification, I wouldn't really consider myself a Miller fan. I'm hit or miss with him. There's certain things that I thought, like for instance, I, I liked, I liked, um, uh, wanted, right? I like wanted as a comic, did not like it as a movie, you know. And that was so funny, it, it, you know, when we talk about uh, superhero overload, that the reason why wanted even came out the way that it did, you know, it was supposed to have been a story about super villains, and it had a the caricature of Halle Berry as the fox and uh, Eminem actually, right, as the lead. And then it transformed into um, what's the guy's name? The guy that plays Professor X. That character ended up being in Wanted. And now we're going to see him in another superhero oriented movie, uh, Glass. But um, when they, at the time, the studio said, oh, well, you know, We've changed the super. We changed the super assassins because we didn't really think that the superhero thing was gonna that we, that that was gonna be one and done. But then ten years later, once is like ten years old, and we're at the height of a, of a superhero renaissance. But back then, they 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 changed that Miller and Kickass. I have to admit, I did like the Kickass stuff. Uh, Kingsman, first one as a book, but this is this is also. You know what Daryl was talking about. It does lend itself to where you see how Miller gets down. Miller is a copycat because Kingsman is clearly a jab at the Bond verse. It's his interpretation of the British spy genre. So now we're you know we're going back to Prodigy, and as you said, Marvel has its own Prodigy who has to be also African American, and. Uh, he knows everything also, but he, his power set is from having a mutant gene where this guy comes off a little bit more like a taskmaster. So, you know, he has to, there's a little bit of work involved with him being able to acquire knowledge. But, um, a matter of fact, uh, who's to say he's not like, uh, Darrell, who's the smartest guy in um, Supreme Power? Who, uh, 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 the master character, uh, God damn it. Is it, uh, Ernest, Ernest or something, or, you know what, E? Yeah, but I, I, I'm thinking of his superhero, uh, supervillain non-diplom. Um, I, I, I'll look it up when we go on. I got the book right here. I I I'm going to pay attention. You know, there's there's tier levels to this that I want the audience to be very much aware. Especially we're going to, we're going to be emphasizing this more um, when we do our video impressions. Matter of fact, the gentleman, uh, I think I don't know if Daryl is aware of this, but we did, or at least we tried to do, a video impressions at uh, um, West Village Comics in West Village, New York. Ah, and with the we, Bowler Brothers, awesome. Right, right. And we, we didn't get a chance to do it the way we wanted to, although it was kind of cool because I like the way his shop looks. It's, you know, it's in the village, obviously. It has that Tony, quaint look. It's a, it's a good look even to be in front of the store. But we were, we were opting to go inside the store to do what we normally do, and we didn't realize that you know on Sundays they open up a little bit late. So anyway, um, I put out 
you know, even our even our mistakes are cool. You know, so we put the mistakes up on our Instagram when our mics were, weren't powered up, all that jazz. And uh, the gentleman responded and said, hey, come by Saturday, 3 p.m. Let's do it right. So hopefully we, we'll be able to uh, connect with the gentleman, Kurt, uh, not Kirk, but Kurt. Uh, and uh, we, we'll, we'll be able to kind of have a, a kind of a central place to in Manhattan to do our video. So, uh, and also to our listening audience, definitely check out it's a black owned comic book store. Uh, we applaud, we applaud the, um, uh, Ariel Johnson in Philadelphia, you know, uh, amalgam comics. We applaud her, but there are even more black owned comic shops. So we got, we have to, we must patronize these shops when they come along. West village comics, West village, New York. All right, and, uh, so it, it, it is Master Menace, and his 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 regular identity is Email Burnbank. Yeah, and it was a game, a game with an E. I know it began with an E. So, okay, so let's uh, so Prodigy pick it up. I think um, Prodigy number two is that did it come out today, or it's coming out soon. But, well, Prodigy came out, so there it is. And as you say that, you know I have to plug everybody else. Uh, uh, Dr. Ninde Okafors, uh, LaGuardia, pick that up. That came out last week. Trust me, it's well worth it. And today, Bitterroot number two. Pick it up. David Walker, Did- friend of the show. Sanford Green, friend of the show. Mr. Brown, friend of the show. Pick that up, folks. No, we, we're, go- we're going to start doing video like picking up the book the books plural thing what i was saying is look mark mark miller i give him some props but i have i do have a little bit of an issue when we don't have black folk people of color actually helming the writing on some of this stuff and i think daryl was hinting at that that you know i look there's nothing against i have nothing against white writers interpreting black characters uh i always mentioned you know j michael straczynski i thought he did a terrific job what 12 or 13 years ago when he when he brought back supreme power when he had a number of characters of color and they they weren't mimicking each other the color the characters weren't friends with each other so it, it, he seemed to know how to write the black characters but that's not everybody so you know, I I like to see some cultural cues. I like to see some things that ring with authenticity. When you have a black character, I mean, you, you kind of have to have a black character to do this. I mean, a black writer. You know, we know how this Black Panther didn't start to pop really until we had Christopher Priest on there, Reginald Hudlin, these folks. Anyway, okay. So, uh, and let me and, and let's go into. Um, I want to mention Doomsday Clock number eight. And then take a break, and then we're going to do El- we're going to talk about Elseworlds. Elseworlds is is something unto itself. CW's Elseworlds. So we're going to, have to matter of fact, let me take a break. I'm going to talk about Doomsday Clock number eight. Again, that's the the uh, continuation of the Watchmen storyline, but it's it's the it's the Watchmen being put brought into DC canon. With Batman, Superman, Flash, and so forth. So I, I got to talk about that, and then we'll talk about the recent 
annual highly rated crossover event with the CW Berlantiverse actually getting it right or more right, I should say, more right than the world of DC. How this, why they can't do it, your guess is as good as mine, folks. I just don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. With a limited budget, why is it a problem? With, with much more money, you can't do it right. All right, so let's go to this groove, and then a um, quick minute and a half, two minutes, and then we'll get back to the fun stuff. Uh, the Soul Saints Orchestra. Santa's got a bag of soul. <laughs> two minutes, we'll be right back. Sounding very much like James Brown. Santa's got a big old bag of soul. <laughs> All right, folks, this is the midweekly review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. And of course, the uncanny Daryl B. Calling number remains ever the same 646 915 9620. Again, 646 915 9620. We're kind of keeping it on the pedal with pulp pop culture stuff. I mean, it is called Afternoon Radio. But then we're going to get into, you know, we mix it up on, on both shows, the Grindhouse and, of course, the Midweek. So we'll get into the Columbia University student a little later on, him having a meltdown and perhaps even the uh, NYPD uh, officers, I think sometime last week, not looking their best 
ripping a one-year-old infant from the arms of a mother in need at a public assistance facility. Um, I think I have a middle-of-the-road take on that, if we have enough time. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of stuff going on, man, a lot of stuff. Um, Fantastic Four, they may be retconning that origin story. Who's to say that it was happenstance that you go through this cosmic race storm and you get these fantastic powers? Who's to say that was by happenstance? They're they're messing around, Marvel, so I don't know know how that's going to work out. All right, so let's get back into it. Let me bring back the great Daryl B's mic. Um, So before the break, I just wanted to kind of acknowledge I'm really digging, and I've said this before, uh, Doomsday Clock, Doomsday Clock, that series, I wasn't sure about it on its premise because, you know, the the Watchmen is held in high esteem, high regard as really setting off, setting off where we are in comic books. I mean, there's been a number of comics you know, Frank Miller's work and so forth. But Alan Moore gets a lot of credit. I mean, matter of fact, you mentioned uh, uh, his, you know, Kid Marvel. Um, that also is one of those works that stands up as being as being very serious, where comic books had to be taken not like kid stuff, not like what Bill Maher thinks. And that, that's, that was in 85. So you, you, they have, Watchmen has a certain cachet as far as where comics are today. Matter of fact, you can make the argument that the reason why comic book movies are, are the way that they are and, and why they have to be translated in a certain way and why they're taken seriously, the DNA is with Miller and, and, uh, and of course, The Watchmen, Alan Moore. Some of that DNA is in there going, going back 30-something years ago. So, and Alan Moore is kind of you know, he's not he's, – he's famously a curmudgeon when it comes to his work. He doesn't really like when his works are revisited or translated. He, he, you know, they, they're works of art. They're literature. It's a moment in time. Don't molest my work. But the, the corporates are going to molest your work. <laughs> anyway. And he has a point, Alan Moore, right? Sometimes this stuff doesn't – doesn't work out well when it's all about the money, when it's all about the Benjamins. In this case, I have to admit that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, there's elements of Doomsday Clock that feel very much like the original work. I don't know if Daryl agrees with me, but there's a there's a ominous feeling to Doomsday Clock that you didn't you wouldn't necessarily would think. Would, would would translate, you know, 30-something years later. But when you read the book, the book gives me the chills. It's like you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on. It, it, it channels it very nicely. Uh, same thing, I think about Blade Runner 2. Now, when Blade Runner came out, the sequel, I had problems with it. But as far as how it segued, again, 30 years later, the visual look, they brought you back into that world, believably so. Even with Harris, even an aged Harrison Ford and everything, the translation I felt with all these problems and warts was pretty legit. Thing with Doomsday Clock. So Doomsday Clock, to my chagrin, but maybe it's necessary, comes out twice a month. It started out once a month, like any other comic book, but you have to wait longer for this thing. So, but it makes me you mean once on every two months. Twice oh, what, what a month I say, twice? means every two weeks. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I, no, I so, wish. No. No, I'm sorry. Thank you for the correction. Yeah. It comes out once every two months. Thank you. Bi-monthly. Okay. So, or that might even be correct. Well, once every two months. Anyway, so Doomsday Clock, again, not to go into the, whole, into the weeds with the mythology, it's, it allows for uh, the Watchmen heroes to to go to get into the world, not that dissimilar from Elseworlds. It's very much like an Elseworlds deal, where they're able to go to literally get go get into the world, get into the world, get into the mythology, literally, of your favorite DC heroes. And I know Daryl might not like this because I'm a I'm a Batman fan. But when you see Batman having a conversation with, with, with the ever-human and emotional Superman, this is, this, is a, this is what you clearly see again, Daryl, you must admit, that's, that, that, that this, this dynamic that we see in the comic books is what the effing movies need. This was cinematic to me. This was cinematic. And they can't get it right, only in the comic books. When... Um, I just quickly, the character Firestorm is not in control of his powers. Or there's a moment where he's not in control of his powers, and he seemingly harms, I don't know, 20 or 20 people, 25 people in Russia. Gary Frank, phenomenal artist who, who has he, he he draws in a very realistic way, which adds to the the comic book having this ominous feel. He has. He has the Jones for Christopher Reeve, okay, because he may, he has his Superman looking like exactly like Christopher Reeve Superman. So you have you have Christopher Reeve Superman intervening, being very Superman like, which I think Daryl would like appreciate. That's that character, good natured. He's the guy that comes in to calm everybody. It's, I'm, I'm I'm calm down, people. It's not all bad. Firestorm, his ability is, as we see in the CW, is able. He's able to transmute uh, innate um, objects. Not innate. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, is it innate? Solid objects. Inanimate. Inanimate. Thank okay. you. Okay. Ina- inanimate had a brain fart there. Uh, inanimate objects, not flesh. Right. This time he turns human beings into glass and starts freaking out. And he does this on Russian soil. We have a Vladimir Putin drawn by Gary Frank looking like Vladimir Putin, right, having a conversation with Superman. Superman is trying to calm the situation, saying, listen, um, and, and there's something that happens earlier where Superman calms down Firestorm and says, you can do this. You can, you can change back these human beings. He, changed back, he changes back successfully. A little boy that was turned to glass turns him back to normal, right? Uh, so Superman says, look, he's trying to explain to this hyped-up Russian crowd with uh, Vladimir, Putin, Vladimir Putin in tow, saying, look, and, and mind you, uh, Superman is respected globally. So, you know, even they're willing to listen, hey, it's Superman, even in Russia, we will listen to this guy. But Batman is in his in in his bat wing, listening and and having a conversation, you know, he's able to talk to Clark, and he's telling him, "Be careful! Don't take a side! Don't you know? Just don't really do anything, right? 
But you could tell that Vladimir Putin, the Russian army, they're ready to rock and roll. They're ready to set off World War III, which is what happened in the Watchmen. So you see, like, the same beats that happened in the Watchmen are occurring in this world, this new world order with the, with the Watchmen in the DC universe. And the part that I always like, because with all of, of, of uh, Superman's godlike prowess, he's not that intelligent. Or rather, he's too, he's too human. He's human. Batman saw all of this and says, you better cool it. Clark doesn't listen. And then, I'll leave it at that. A tr- tragedy, a tragedy uh, occurs when it all when it all could have been prevented, but Superman could not. He, he couldn't keep his cool. Batman's the guy that says that sees everything ahead of ahead of even Superman. He thinks more broadly. He's an intellect. Superman is not. Anytime that happens, that's Batman versus Superman to me. That's the real Batman versus Superman story, Daryl. What do you say about Doomsday uh, uh, Clock num- number eight? Okay. Is it what you just described, everything Christopher Priest did during his JLA run? Where, oh, the JLA crash lands in this African nation. We can't take sides. We can't da-da-da. But Superman has to act to save somebody, and then all of a sudden they have, that is what Christopher Priest already did. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Hey. Doomsday Clock, beautiful looking book. Problem is, all your themes have been used within the last year while you guys have been suffering delays by other writers. Christopher Priest with JLA and Deathstroke has done this, okay? You had that stupid before Watchmen handle some of these themes before. Uh, Batman, the button with the flash, which was the lead into this. The problem is, it's taking too long to get this story going. I'm going to wait till it all gets collected. But every time I read it, I'm like, seen it, seen it, cares about that. Oh, oh, it's Bat God again. Seen it, seen it. Oh, they're going to play Superman like a doofus. Okay. Seen it, seen it. I'm sorry. It's going to read better in one sitting, collect it all together. But one of the things that kills this book is that originally planned, this book should have been done already. It, all 12 books should have been already done. Okay? And that's one of DC's problems. They plan these things big, and then they don't give themselves any leeway. And, oh, we're going to have to delay the project. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that's my level of pessimism with this book. You may go God out for it because it's John's, and I love John's because, hey, his JSA, his JSA gave me Mr. Terrific. His JSA gave me what diversity and inclusion should be in the modern comic book, all right? But John's is working off of, of plots where the rest of the DC universe has already moved ahead. This was supposed to connect into stuff from ranging from Batman to uh, Steve Orlando's Electric Warriors to and and you could see where other plot lines have now moved ahead 
and they they contain elements that are supposed to be from this, but because this is delayed, it screws everything up. It's Countdown 2.0. I'm sorry, DC fans. I'm just letting you know, okay? This this is your Civil War 2. This is your Countdown. Sorry, bros. All right. Daryl, I see, clearly wants to be a hater. This, this is, this is, I don't know. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion. I love it. Hey, we can. And, can't and, we savor and, some things, Daryl? You can, but I will say to you what I said about Batman and Superman. What I said about Watchmen. I've always said it. I've never, uh, <laughs> uh, I've, I've gotten off of this fact. You do not build relationships on these books. These books are all about deconstructing heroes, not building them up. See Firestorm. They're all wow. about deconstructing heroes. Watchmen, Batman, Superman coming from the damn from the damn Dark Knight Returns. Nothing about that was about building mythology. That was all about ripping them down to show you, oh, there's the lie. You you saw all the glory. Here's the lie behind it. All right? Jeff Johns is trying, but when the foundation is screwed up and rotten, it's a beautiful-looking book, but I read it and my eyes roll over. Uh, and anytime, that's what I said. Anytime the bat is able to uh, check your boy, you don't like it. I love it. So <laughs> it is uh, what it uh, is. Uh, <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm not saying it just because of Batman. I was telling you about this from issue three of Doomsday Clock. This ain't a book meant to build up superheroes. I told you that from way beginning. This ain't just a shot at him. But what I am telling you that is the truth. And comic book fans, check me if I'm wrong. Check out Christopher Priest's run of JS, uh, JLA. His run that he did with JLA before they rebooted everything, where he brought over a storyline that he had in Deathstroke. Okay? Read that. Read that. Then come back to this latest Doomsday Clock. Read that issue. Who did it better? Sorry, Jeff. All right. The, the King right. Priest outdid you on this one. All right. Uh, <laughs> to, the listening audience, to the listening audience, feel free to pick up Doomsday Clock number eight. Or do what Daryl said and wait for the omnibus or for the for the tpb the trade paperback and collect it as one 12 issue one 12 issue collection uh I, you know it is what it is i i'm i'm digging it uh, i see where daryl's going i see it uh let's move forward else worlds last couple of days this week especially starting sunday we see that uh the cw cw series they, you know, this is this is their bread and butter almost. They really thrive and really excel with these big crossover events. And now they make no bones about actually interpreting iconic works. Crisis is next. They're already touting crisis, and we're like for another. Like, it's not till twelve months from now. So literally, so. Um, what were let's go let's go let's go let's go to the captain and we'll go back to Daryl. So Cap, what were your impressions of Elseworlds? CW. Anti Monitor is coming. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like those type of characters with that fantastical type of power. Now, 
it was a little bit refreshing because I thought Flash this season was trash. You know, Super Supergirl is legitimate, was solid this year. You know, there was a problem with Arrow this season because it had it had a little more darkness. You know, we all know that Arrow season one was crazy. That was on point. But when Arrow was looking better than Flash, actually, when you start to took, look at Legends of Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow, when you look at that, <clears throat> they weren't really included with this. They they could they left that to the side. No, actually, there was an aspect. Excuse me, there there was a certain aspect within it. You know, I I, I know some of you have not spoiled it, but you'll see a certain somebody in there with within that too. So let me let me not exactly say that. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is like you know a little re- refreshing because it's different. You know, it's different. You know, it's just playful. It's fun. You know, so it's cool from time to time. You know, in respect to that. I thought it was a step up because, again, I thought Flash was trash this season and it's been a little trashy, what they're doing and everything else because Flash is there's no real learning curve. You've been doing this long enough. When you attack villains and things of this nature, you have to know how to move forward and everything else. They're doing the same thing like you're in season three or season two. Should I say season two? They have a problem with Flash. So, well, it was refreshing. It was refreshing to see what was going on. They they did some interesting things, you know. And I, I was just overall good to, good to see, man. This is the type of thing I need to see. I need to see you getting better. I need to see it stepping up. Not just the same mundane, oh, my God, oh, my God. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Oh, this is the love story. Oh, you're teaching me a lesson. Oh, you're this, you're that, and everything else. And I know at times I'm not the target audience. I know that also, too. But it's just a little painstaking for somebody such as myself at times. Oh, this is foolishness. This is this. You get this, you know, three days of, yeah, man, some gruesome stuff going on, some different things going on. You got to go about it differently. You know, you get to see Oliver Queen with his self-important self. <laughs> you can tell people what to do. You think you can tell everybody what to do. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's just funny, man. You know, so <clears throat> I thought it was good. I thought it was good. That was good. Back over to you, Afro. What about you know? We didn't mention this. What about the first appearance of Batwoman and and Gotham as a character? What about that? That was that 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 was that was uh, I was a bit sixty five ish with that. She you know she did just as enough. You know the person playing it. We spoke about her before. <clears throat> she did just Ruby, enough. Ruby that Rose. Was Ruby yes. Rose. Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose. She, she did enough to make it passable. She looked good in the costume. I was like, eh, yeah, <laughs> eh, meh, meh. You know, so you know, I don't know how much they gave her to work with. You know, they pretty much the director probably said, do it this way. You know, yeah, it was, was passable. Looked good in the costume though. Costume, she looks good in. That's all I'm going to say about her. Back to you, sir. Yeah, as far as your impressions of the Flash, I will kind of concur, but, you know, my opinion is tainted because I'm actually physically attracted to excess. I don't know if her feet are affected when she moves fast. I don't know. I can't guarantee it, but I am physically attracted to that cherubic, bright face. She's got such a cute I think Afrona is really a teenager. <laughs> Probably. 
probably. Your teenage but, with a grown man's body. That's it. But, but that's how I'm able to maintain maintain just youth, youthful appearance. So, uh, yes, I'm attracted to excess, so therefore my opinion is definitely tainted on the flash. As long as she's in it, I'm going to continue looking at, at looking at that series. So let me go to Daryl. Daryl, what were your impressions of uh, Elseworlds? And, and again, to the listening audience, let me not be remiss. You know, when they tout out these titles and these references, you know, it, it, it's complete inside, inside of language. Elseworlds, to, to the uninitiated, is really DC's version of what if. Elseworlds taps into uh, alter, alternative realities, alternative mythologies, let's say in the case of um, – well, okay, what if – we kind of spoke about this. Daryl hinted at an, at, at an Elseworlds um, storyline. What if Superman doesn't land in Smallville, Kansas, and lands in the middle of Russia or lands in Mexico? If, if what happens if he's adopted by some other earthly family? Whether they be of a different culture or of a different uh, moral moral turpitude, what happens then? That's an Elseworld. Just like what if Peter Parker, maybe he he's not the one that gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Maybe it's Flash Thompson. That's what an Elseworld. So Elseworlds as a CW annual event crossover references that. So let me pass the mic to Daryl. What were your impressions of Elseworlds? And also, like the captain, what did you think about Ruby Rose as Batwoman? Firstly, uh, the show that kind of got left out until the middle of Supergirl. Uh, Legends, folks, see the mid-season finale. If you're a Constantine fan, see what they did. They tried to pull here because that that was great. That I mean, if you're a Back to the Future fan, if you're a Doctor Who fan, and you know the problems with messing with the time stream, great. In one show, in one show, they did what Flashpoint couldn't do. Let's put it that way. Now, on to this crossover. I liked it. I would have loved it. But once again, the CW F's up their own mythology. And folks, why you why why you think I'm doing this? I'm not I'm not hating just to hate. I I like the Batwoman Supergirl dynamic. The problem is, Supergirl's supposed to be new on that thing, and Ruby Rose knew all about her. How? Remember, Supergirl's in a separate universe. Matter of fact, that planet has their own Supergirl. Earth One has their own. This is not me making it up. You guys set your own rules, CW. There's supposed to be already a Supergirl and Krypton on this on Earth One, which is quote unquote the Arrowverse. They're supposed to be there. But this also means that there's a Gotham. You know, there may be a Gotham on her planet. Maybe I I, I don't know. But again. It's nitpicking stuff, okay? Uh, to Q, I was wrong about one thing. The other, the other name was uh, what was it? Barco, Burko. That isn't Mad Hatter. That was Clayface. So Carlo. it was the, na- Carlo. the, the name. Carlo. Carlo. Yes. Right. All right. So that was Clayface. So Clayface. It was Poison Ivy. 
and it was um, Mark Guggenheim, who's a writer. Uh, Mad Hatter. And a writer for the TV show. No Mad Hatter. All right? So that, that, uh, I thought it was Mad Hatter, but it was Clayface. So that, that's my mea culpa there. I mean, Arkham, they got the feel of it right. Psycho Pirate, seeing him, I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to do Crisis. That's cool. <laughs> Without even seeing how they ended the, on, on, on uh, the Supergirl. Right from the second I see Psycho Pirate, I'm like, Crisis. Because only time I ever see this mother is whenever there's a crisis. So, Psycho Pirate, yeah, we're going to have a crisis going on here. All right? They did a great shout-out to to um, Flash and Supergirl, because if you read Crisis on Infinite Verse, you know what happens to Kara Zor-El, and you know what happens to Barry Allen after Crisis on Infinite Verse. You already know what they... So they did a great fake out there. I kind of want to know what green arrows arrows are going to do to the anti-monitor, because, um, yeah, yeah, Ali... You're going to need something stronger than a kryptonite arrow. Way, way, way stronger. I think you better start looking up some some weapons of, like, Greek myth and stuff like that. See if you can grab Because you're going to need that. And even the Greek gods couldn't stop this mother. So good good luck with this. Good, good, good luck. Yeah, yeah start, start recruiting more superpowered people. You need more help. All right, um, <laughs> so so the crossover is again. It is fun. I may I may have my critiques, but this is fun to me because ten years ago, twenty years ago, we're not getting this at this type of quality. For all the problems I have with Arrow and the Flash, and at times Supergirl, and Le- well, Legends Legends is my B team. Legends, Legends is the best show because it doesn't take it doesn't take itself seriously. They did shout outs to A Team and Charlie's Angels last night, or, or or Monday night on Legends of Tomorrow. While they're doing all that time travel thing, they did shout outs to '80s action TV shows. No sense. You don't like Legends? Oh my God. We got to find your soul. Okay? <laughs> and, and that's not even uh, getting into the puppets. Yes. It went totally off the rails. Um, the star of the crossover, the Elseworlds, the star was Vibe. I like, especially if you didn't see the Supergirl, you have to see that version of Ramon. That version of remote, I was like, holy. All right. Um, Dr. Destiny was done real well as, as the, the, the professor who, who wanted to try to change everything. I mean, that's, that's essentially his personality, except he's more of a megalomaniac. Him doing what he did with Superman, that was ingenious. But, again... As as this happens, there's stuff that this character shouldn't know about this because it's not in the book. Hell, you established in uh, in the canon of the show that this certain character shouldn't be known because 
That universe isn't in the book. But yet, this happens. And I'm being cryptic, folks, because I'm not trying to spoil anything, but it's the little minute details. It's something Captain speaks about when it comes to power sets and it comes to setting up these mythologies. Once you set something in the beginning, then if you're going to change it midway through, at least have the changes make sense. You can't just, oh, we're going to just throw this character here, what, what Captain was referring to a Legends character, because you scratch your head, how did this character end up here? How, wh- what, what the hell happened? You, you changed the, the universe that much that this character, of all characters, this is the character that they're going to meet in this place. Get out of here. But, <laughs> but last thing, I give them credit. I did not see the Trigger Twins coming and the fact Uther Egg. And even a shout-out to Grant Morrison's Multiversity. (laughs) In in one episode, you had both of those things happen. You know, Guggenheim and the team, bravo for that. I mean, yo, I I like minute stuff. I like minutia. I didn't see Trigger Twins coming, and I did not see Apartment 1A coming. That was awesome sauce. I mean... You know, a nerd, a blurred, a bleak, a geek like me can respect that hustle. And you, and again, it's signs that the universe is getting better, uh, uh, especially since we could all agree we're coming to the, they're closer to the downside than the rise of these franchises or the CW. Yes, sir. Eventually, eventually they're going to have to, Reboot or and that's what crisis is gonna be. I mean, yep, you, you could literally just write the word reboot Smart. as the thing, but Smart. But these writers, like they must have heard our, our, our podcast from like two years ago, where we're like, you're blowing through these storylines pretty damn fast. I hope you guys got somebody in there doing research. Sure enough. They have somebody in there doing research. Go ahead, Afro-Nerd Radio. Let me just say this, say this real quick. You know, they actually, they actually, <laughs> if they went and just went little balls to the wall, said we're going to spend $4 million more on each episode, could have dropped that in the movie theater. You, know, you could have yeah. dropped that in the movie theater. And I, and I think they would have made back their money. You know? So right, we're going to run ahead and we're going to bring it back to CW. Yeah, man. It, it was good enough. You just have to spend a bit more money, you know, make the special effects a bit better and things of that nature. A little more boom, a little more explosion. So you got to give the people the glossy. Because once you give the people the glossy, they're like, oh, they're little kids. There you go. That's it. Like, That's like it, man. Cap, Cap the, the OSX storyline, that Nazi one, that easily, I had friends who didn't want to hear from me on Twitter as that went on. And they preferred, mm-hmm. okay, I got all three episodes on the computer back to back to back. I'm going to watch it like a movie. Yep. And yep. the problem was, the problem was, they did it, they did it with the wrong franchise. They, these guys did it with Inhumans. We're going to put Inhumans <laughs> in the theaters. And that was a disaster. But these crossovers, yep. If CW and Warner Brothers were smart, like during the summer, when we have those dead months in the theater, 
You put this yes. crossover together and put it in the theater and make some extra bank. Yeah. Let me say let me say something just to the audience. Um, again, we're, this is the midweek review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the uncanny Daryl B. We're talking about Elseworlds, the CW's Elseworlds, um, which is definitely you know uh, the, the 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 dream of many comic book aficionados to see what they've read so many years ago interpreted, ideally interpreted on the big screen, but it's good enough as it as it's shown on TV. Uh, okay, the Trigger Twins I know as like a Western reference, right? All Western. What did you? Some of the stuff when we talk, Daryl, we do go inside. We got to be careful because people listening for the first time, it goes, they, they roll their eyes. They got to understand what's going on. So again, to listening audience, Trigger Twins was a reference in the Else Worlds. Um, Barry and Ollie were perceived as, and they were called. The Trigger Twins, which is just a kind of a one-off, again, a, a, a DC Western comic book. That's number one. But when you say Apartment 1A, what is that? Apartment 1A, I brought up, I, I did explain it. it. It's an important part of Grant Morrison's Multiversity, okay? Multiversity was a comic book, which was essentially... You know, a, a, a self-contained crisis storyline where this monitor that you saw that was messing with them, when he had human form, he lived in that apartment. So okay. the, the mere coincidence that they appear right in front of that apartment, and that apartment is the doorway to where the monitor is located – you know, I was like, bravo, that, that was great. <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, there, there's only going to be some hardcore comic book fans and uh, a lot of DC comic book fans that was going to significant that it's Grant Morrison's Multiversity where a, a, a watcher goes low, a watcher, a monitor goes low. Monitors are DC's, well, anyway, but a monitor goes rogue is killing off other monitors and effing with the nature of these universes. And it's heroes from different universes that get selected. Man, this is sounding a lot like Crisis. <laughs> to, to, to try to bring him down. Okay? So, so that's what I'm saying. The, the, we said it. You, uh, it's a lot of little minutia and stuff like that. We'll bring up terms. But guys, Everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's got a computer by now. If any one of these names hits you, you can look it up. All right? I'm not going to be mean about this, but but it, it's stuff that it's stuff that it's not hammer and home. It's important to the story. It's important to the story. But if you read the book, it enhances the story. It it's like a little thing, like. You'll look at the, uh, like, if you go out and get his, his multiversity book now, and uh, you read it, you'll see there's a lot of parts of two, uh, episodes two and three of this crossover that come from that, where you're like, wow, oh, that's where that is, you know? So it's stuff we say for the, co- the, the, the comic book movies all the time. If you're, you're borrowing from these stories to put it up on film, mention the stories in the credits going down. 
you you mentioned the talents, but hey, brief commercial with these books. Like, oh, this was based on this storyline and this storyline and this storyline, and these books are available at at uh, DCUniverse.com. These books are available Marvel Unlimited. These books are available Comicsology, or you could go to your local comic book show or comic book store show and pick these books up. It's little things like that. Go ahead, Afro. Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Okay, it's all right. Well, quickly, when you mentioned multiversity, multiversity, um, you know, I have that book. It's been a while. It's not that old, but it's been a while. And it also, just a listening audience, it dovetails, uh, dovetails off of what, as the last couple of years, are a testament to the notion of multiple Earths. And, and uh, since they've already opened that door to multiple Earths, Elseworlds, uh, those who are who are uh, novices to this whole thing, multiple Earth is just an excuse for an alternate version of a character that you may be familiar with. So uh, Superman, we may know to be Clark Kent, looking a certain way. In a multiverse, you you will see you will see a Superman, but he will be African American in, in appearance. Those kind of things. Um, Wonder Woman might be African American and was African American. In appearance, it's a different Earth. Remind you of the original character, but a slight variance. Okay, so this is kind of what re- was well, not kind of. This was clearly represented in this Elseworld crossover event on CW. Um, yeah, Daryl brought up something that did bother me, and I, it was it was just kind of scoffed over. They didn't really explain it, but Kara is a visitor to this to earth one on the cw right and they they're friends and they kind of vacation almost going back and forth on earth right on these between these earths because they have the the, the these breachers the, the ability to breach these different these different um these different uh universes. dimensions dimensions thank you different dimensions so um when she kept on talking about matter-of-factly about Batman and knowing who Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person, wait a minute. You're visiting Earth-1. This Batwoman, Gotham, and a three-year missing Bruce Wayne, this is not your Earth. Why are you referencing them as if you know these people? You know, this is clearly... A different Earth's Batman, and like she just kind of talked about it, like this was her Earth. They never explained that. That I thought was a little sloppy. That's when I that's when I saw some slippage. I was like, okay, what are you talking about here? And then they also shook hands that you know we need to get together because there's obviously uh, in canon Batwoman or Batgirl and Supergirl and Batwoman and uh and and Superwoman, Superwoman and Supergirl. That that, that female t- team up exists so they were referencing it but this is not your batwoman but that was never that was never explained that was a little sloppy also but, but, uh, but again that that's why i said that just opened up the possibility that there's a gotham on <laughs> you know there's a gotham on that supergirl though because how else would she know all of that and also I, I still maintain glasses are the most crappiest disguise of all time. 
Yeah, it's crap. It's, it's, I hate that. And I, I, even, I even mentioned this to a colleague that they have Kryptonian science. They, they, I mean, look, look, first of all, in Supergirl, in Supergirl, they already have the technology where these aliens are walking around where they're able to appear human. But you have these goofy glasses. I mean, they, they could probably even have glasses that, give, that mask your appearance where you, where you look a little different. I mean, just, just they need to clear that up. The fact that that um, Kara and Cal L are able to move around, even the aliens, like I could see, maybe the humans don't see the difference. But these aliens also are fool, fooled by your glasses too. I mean, if that's is that that right there is just a problem. That's why Superman is just, is just a horrible character on some level. All this advanced technology, I can get the glasses, but they should explain the glasses. Mask the idea. They're, they're different types of glasses. Hell, even even um, the Flash, and they did it season one. They stopped doing it. Um, the Flash, right? Which is really a reference to the Golden Age Flash doing that. The Golden Age Flash was was known to to um, alter his face or make his face unrecognizable by doing this 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 uh, vibrational thing, and he did that. They did that season one, and they kind of they kind of said, oh, "F it, we don't care anymore." <laughs> so now, uh, again, let me reference some of these. Uh, there was a scene, a scene with Easter eggs that Daryl was referencing that was that was lighting up Twitter. That when they went to Arkham Asylum, Earth One's Arkham Asylum, and um, uh, Barry Allen. Well, now they were they were the Trigger Twins at that moment. Uh, Barry Allen and Ollie Oliver Queen, they're going through the, you know, they're going past each of these uh, prisoners or, or patients, and you see their names on the door, their first initial and their last name. You know, if you, insiders would clearly know who they're referencing. So there's a couple of things I just want to mention for the audience. Nora Freeze was the, 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 the allegedly the wife of Victor Freeze, right? Um, Mr. F- Victor Freeze, aka Mr. Freeze, and Nora Freeze. You saw her, you know, with that freeze weapon, cold weapon, fighting. Um, what's her face? <laughs> from Daryl from uh, Flash, that has free, uh, that has cold Killer power. Killer Frost. Killer Frost, right? So that was like an insider thing. You had uh, initial old Cobblepot Penguin. Um, P. Isley, I, I forgot. I got that confused, but that's actually Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, Pamela Poison Ivy. Ivy. Right. And then you have B. Carlo, which is, of course, Clayface. Enigma, which has always been an inside joke. Enigma, it, an enigma is a puzzle, right? <laughs> so that's the Riddler. Um, I think that they said there was, I think it was a J. Crane there also. Somewhere was a Jay Crane. Jay Crane that, is Scar- Scare- that was, Scarecrow. Yeah, that was during oh. the fight, uh, or during when they uh, they went down and they they ran into Nora Freeze, and uh, and, uh, and and they ran into that that those vials. Uh, Jay Crane, uh, Scarecrow. It was his fear serum, his fear toxin right. that infected Barry and and uh, Ollie and. And we ended up getting more freaking superhero like tidbits after that. All right. Now let me mention this last last thing, then we'll move forward. 
Um, you know, so I'm t- I'm tweeting. I'm excited. I'm in a good mood. And then I see Elseworld so white. <laughs> so the S- the SAW crew come in and start to notice there wasn't enough people of color in this this uh, crossover event. What say you, Daryl? About I mean, I didn't really want to look. I normally I will be supportive of, of these things. I get it. I get it. But I I don't know. Something about that seemed to be okay. We're really getting. We're, mm, something about well, that just irritated me. Well, again, I, I I still maintain this. Okay, for all the people that complain about this, right? Why aren't I hearing you guys lord shows like The Gifted? I didn't hear any of these guys complaining, actually celebrating the legends, because the focus of the legends was the um, the shapeshifter who's now in the Mars body, all right, uh, Zala and Constantine. They were the focus of the legends episode I was just describing. Okay, as they mucked up time and they have to try to fix it, you know, it it is easy to complain. It is easy as hell to complain. Okay, all I ask is when you complain, give something an alternative, a positive for these people to go to. You hear me complain on here all the time, but I throw in tidbits of stuff. That you can go and look at Like oh but this is where It was done better or oh This may have pissed me off But it had this which was a call Out to that okay Some of these folks that complain About these shows and stuff Like that Do you like anything comic booky Or are you just watching it To complain are you Like those guys that If you saw private parts Okay when they got Howard Stern's rating, and like, how is it so high? He doesn't have that much of a fan base. Well, believe it or not, boss, there are people that listen to the whole show just to complain, to make a list of everything that's wrong. That's all I'm saying. I, I need you, some positivity with this. You, you know, you know you what? Guys, what uh, uh, sorry about that. Go ahead, man. I'll say this quick. You know what? I not, I just realized as you were talking what irritated me. The, the what irritated me is that these SJWs they go from battle to battle to battle instead of dealing with the war. Because the CW in general 80 to 90% of the time and even some of the stuff I disagree with when it comes to to what they do with minority characters if we're going to be honest is actually quite immersive, quite diverse, really. So you might, you know, they don't know how, they don't know when to kind of let off the pedal. I think they should have let off the pedal this time, only because not even another time, the CW shows go over and above to display a diverse world, because you got a black Jimmy Olsen, you got a black uh, Martian Manhunter, um, you have uh, something that Viola Davis, I guess the TV doesn't count, but we for the last five years we've been seeing a black woman and a white man share a great deal of intimacy every week. When she acted as if this is a rare thing, and I just realized wait, Flash shows this thing every day, every week. So you have that dynamic. You have a, a, a Latin genius, a Latin ex genius, 
a lot of a lot of female power, all kinds of stuff. I can't I don't even want to go into super small uh, Supergirl. You got Black Lightning, okay, where we're getting good music. Stand tall, black man. My even with my issues with with, with uh, Mr. My only issue really is with Mr. Terrific, and even then, I mean, you know, I, listen, I have a problem with that guy, and it's not what, what people think. It's more about that character has been retconned where the original characterization was necessary. But even hey, then, uh, even then, you have to be you have to be respectful that women play major roles in these in, in, in these in these properties, minorities, everybody's there. Uh, you have a, a Batwoman. That, that show had the, the first lesbi- lesbian uh, hero. Not first lesbian. I mean, I got to correct that. She's not the first lesbian hero, but she's a, she might get her own show. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things going on there. And yeah, then, and then for, so so well, hold on, Darren. Let me finish my point. So what I'm okay. saying is, is that uh, for them to say Elseworlds so white is you're you're being a little too picayune considering just how diverse the Berlanti verse actually is. That's my point. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, Cap, I, I, I'm surprised he went this long and it's not referring to the Superman line to Diggle yet. <laughs> well, listen, let me, let me address this. Let me address this. Well, I'm lost. What, did he, what, did, what, that what was, was that? That, that was what interesting, was that? though. That was interesting. So what was I, that? I, I, would, I, th- I thought of all people, Alpha Nerd would be the one to go, yeah, I heard of, I geeked out when he said that line. Well, what did he say? I mean, there's a lot going on. I, I, I think I, I do remember something, but then I forgot it. What was it? When Superman first meets Diggle from Earth right. One, he goes, right. wow, John, where's your ring? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they I did, did with that. that. They put a lot of little things in there. They put a lot of little things in there. Okay, right, yeah, so I did let, get that. Let me address let me, let me let me address this. Okay, now, yeah, that was good. Before. That was good. I, I, I said this before. You, you have to realize something. In a democracy, the majority is going to rule. So they say, according to statistics, this country is 62% American white, allegedly, theoretically, potentially, and 10% white Latin, 72%. And when you look at all the Fortune 500 companies, all the banks, you know, they have, and also Hollywood, certain groups run these, run this business, these type of businesses, businesses, run the banking system, run the distribution, and people are tribal by nature. So things in a country, in a democracy, it's going to favor the majority. So Oscars so white, Oscars are supposed to be white people. Look at how the movies come out. They're supposed to be white and a sprinkle of everything else. That's how it's done in democracy. This is when you're in a Muslim country. It's not about you. If you come to visit or anybody else, things are done with the Muslim initiative. That's the way it works around the world. You go into China, things are done with the Chinese initiative. You go into Russia, they're going to be done with the Russian white initiative. So now this is what I say to people of color, or better yet, put make it more specific, black people. Imagine now this country was 72% black. We run the banking system. We run the Fortune 500 companies. We run Hollywood. 
we run all the scientific community. How are things are going to come out? How are these things going to come out when it comes to the movies? It's going to come out the same way, maybe worse, maybe maybe not as bad because they said during slavery, black people, according to historical record, they weren't really that evil, that the white people were a lot more evil. That's according to some historians, but we don't know. We don't know if necessary if it was this, the history in reverse and they went through a type of Jim Crow, sundown laws, lynchings, and things of that nature. We may, might be the same exact way. This is what you have to think about. This is why I say ultimately in the long run, Anything multicultural does not work because neither party is looking for a fear. They're looking to be dominant. You see what I'm saying? That's the problem. It's not, okay, I got a little bit of representation here. That's good. No, I want to be the top boss. That is the problem. Latin guy wants to be the top boss. Christian wants to be top boss. Muslim wants to be top boss. Hindu wants to be top. That is the problem. So you start pulling each other apart. This is a good thing here. This was a good thing. And underneath the circumstance, CW is doing pretty good, doing pretty well with representation. Even some of it I'm not with. I won't get into some of the things I saw I, I, that I see on uh, the CW network, which is the social engineering network, you know, like what they're doing with um, Black Lightning, some of that stuff, you know, whatever. But a lot of people appreciate it. So F me, it can't be all about me. It's not all about me. Some of the stuff you just got to let, let our Swing and let it roll, you know? There's something going on on CW, a type of representation pretty much for everybody. But let's understand where we are at the given time. It's not going to be that white people are going to be lesser. You have to do your own thing if you want to be more than mathematical symbol. That's pretty much how it works. And CW is actually doing a decent job, decent level job. I'm not going to say great, but doing a decent job. Other places, not so much. Not so much. They're doing a decent job because in this quote-unquote European society, you have different people. You have different cultures, different races, and everybody wants to be represented, and everybody wants to be the top brass. So this is just thrown out there just to see if we can catch a little traction, and it did. So that's why we're talking about it. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, Elseworld was cool to me. You know, I'm not perturbed by any of that. I'm not perturbed by Oscars is so white either. Let them go ahead and be white. Make your own situation. I don't care about that. <laughs> Back over to you, Afternoon. All right. So anyway, folks, uh, that's it. We're going to go into something else, and then we'll come back around. You know, there's a Godzilla 2 trailer, if we have enough time to talk about that. Doctor Strange 2, uh, to my chagrin, I think they're a little long in the tooth now. Uh, Doctor Strange came out what? When did Doctor Strange come out? 2000, was it 2014? Has it been that long? Or 2016. It's been a minute. But, yeah, it's, but 2000. I, I want to say 16. I want to say 16. Oh, okay, let's say it's 2016. 2021. This saying? Damn, man. I mean, come on. Anyway, that's what's going. That's something that's just kind. Of, I'm just kind of putting out there. All right, so let's go to something a little bit more serious. Since we're talking about else, uh, Elseworld so white, the hashtag Elseworld so white. Let's segue into this thing. Um, so, well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm disturbed on a number of levels. One, it's, it's fascinating how a one-off drunken rant by an idiot sets the world on fire now. Like the, like the way, like what constitutes news 
like some 19-year-old, even though it's, you know, look, partially because maybe it's the zeitgeist because it's, it's, a, it's a Trump era situation. And just to the listening audience, I'm pretty sure folks probably know about this story, but if, if you don't know, simply local Ivy League school, Columbia University, young man, uh, allegedly he was under the, under the influence, gets into a roustabout with um, some other students, predominantly uh, minority students, black women, a number of students. And also, you know, these Ivy League schools are known to be overwhelmingly progressive. So uh, you have this young man who somehow gets into this altercation, not physical necessarily, but he kind of has a meltdown. He has a meltdown about whiteness. And everyone, everyone videotapes everything. The world is under global surveillance. And because he does, you know, he does a, he does a little, a little uh, I love white people thing, every, m- many of these major news services cover this. So just, just um, promoting or hyping this little situation up is a, is a problem unto itself. You know what I mean? Like that is that is a problem just unto itself. Like just just the nature of what constitutes news. Thing is, I do have a clip, a few clips. But I'm going to play one clip in particular because when they break down how this young man was provoked, I'm equally as um, disturbed or frustrated by this young man spouting off white nationalism as I am by the people who provoked it. It's the same it's the same people that will say hashtag elseworld so white. So let me play play this quick clip and I'll leave it to the audience and my co discussants what say you? Because this is this is something about it rings hollow. Something about it ticked me off. Hold on. This Columbia student harassed his black classmates in a racist rant going viral. You're watching What's Trending. I'm Casey Spivey. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more social media news daily and ring the bell to stay up to date with our videos. White people are the best thing that ever happened to us. These words by Columbia sophomore Julian Von Abel are now being denounced by the university as Azin and students alike are taking more aggressive steps towards eliminating racism from their campus. The video was recorded outside a campus dining hall. Freshman Nolan Felix told BuzzFeed that Julian was part of a group walking towards the dining hall when he grabbed one of the women in the group. As she pulled away from him, he erupted into a racist rant, which was promptly recorded. Von Abel was praising Donald Trump, continuing the rant into the middle of the dining hall where he said, I don't hate other people, I just love white men. The students who recorded the video were hoping to expose the campus's problem with racism. They posted the video with the caption, disappointed but not surprised. At Black Girl Culture added, he continued to follow and harass a number of students following this encounter. When public safety was contacted, they did nothing to protect these students. Von Abel, however, told the Daily Beast his side of the story. He said the exchange began when several students were accusing Trump supporters of encouraging sexual violence. 
He said, I explained that I am a Trump supporter and I do not in any way encourage violence, sexual or otherwise. A large group of students gathered around me and told me that I had no right to share my views on women as I am a white male with white privilege. After the university got wind of this viral video, they released this statement. Statements of white racial superiority conflict with the university's core value of inclusivity, as well as the educational work and research that takes place on our campus. We are alarmed at the rise of incidents of racism and hate speech in our world today. It is more important than ever that we continually demonstrate our core values and restate our commitment to a diverse, inclusive community on campus. At Columbia, we stand firmly against white supremacist language and violence. School officials also called a meeting for an open reflection on the following Monday morning. They said they will work to create new working groups for bias incidents. Von Abel later told the Daily Beast, I am not a white supremacist or racist, nor do I subscribe to any views that support that ideology. I unequivocally denounce all groups that support racism. My reaction that evening grew out of my distaste for the overuse of the term white privilege and similar divisive rhetoric as a means of dismissing views of others. But what do you think about this rant? Let us know in the comments section and for more of What's Trending, head to whatstrending.com. All right. Um, let's go around the horn on this one. I, I just want to say one thing and then I'm going to you know, let, let the mic go. Uh, you know, I, I, I had hinted at this. I don't support, obviously, because the show is called Afro Radio. I don't support what the young man said. His his uh, meltdown was crazy. You know, he's crazy. But I have a little bit of sympathy, believe it or not, only in the sense that when you were in mid midway in that, <clears throat> pardon me, midway in the report, you hear that he was told by these women. You don't have a right to your opinion. You don't have a right to comment because you are a white male with white privilege. That would have ticked me off. As a black person, that would tick me off. And I've seen that kind of posturing with this new, the, the kind of this, this kind of new generation Z millennial effery, where they shut you down. It, it is a type of, and I've said it countless times. Is is a kind of um, fascism where you just my way or the highway, you're not allowed to an opinion. I don't get it. I don't care it, a white person's opinion about black topics. Now I can just deconstruct you, but I can't tell you you don't have a right to your opinion. I've seen this kind of exchange. It's a, it's a way of of posturing and shutting people down. I don't. I don't have to hear from you because you're a white male. Okay, that's just. That's just crazy. So they're as equally get crazy as this young man is crazy. They cancel each other out to me. That's my opinion. Let's go to the captain. We got a caller. We got Daryl. Cap, what do you think's going on here? Well, well, in this neo SJW world, PC culture. Everything is a problem. If we go back into the history of college campuses, this, this this don't even rank. Some of the things that actually went down at college campuses, this don't even rank. You know, and people like to act like this is something new. Let's go back into your history. You know, it may be problematic on both sides. It's problematic on both sides. That's where we are. 
but this don't rank. With all of this camera everywhere thing, you're just picking up people's individual thoughts. As I say, MI4, MI4, MI5 thought police, you know, everything is a problem. As I said many times before, that's where we are. That's how this goes viral. This doesn't rank to me because there's people walking around all day with these type of thoughts. Say it on the train, say it on, you know, when you catch a conversation, you know, coming out the store, your local bodega, you hear people. Well, I was supposed to film it and all this other type of stuff. I've heard a lot worse, which was really problematic, and have seen a lot worse. You know, but here once again we have to talk about it. It's Columbia, big you know Ivy League school and things of that nature. It went viral, so we talk about it. This is just where we are right now. As I said, where we would be, everything's a problem. Someone like me here and there, I just keep walking. You know, it's not keep walking. You know, because a lot of people are running around with that mentality. That's just what it is. That's what it is on both sides. You know, you're not entitled to have an opinion. And I'm right because I'm right and all that other type of stuff or anything else that he was saying. This is what it is, man. You know? That's just what it is. And it seemed comical, like a joke, but it is problematic at the same time. Let's understand that on both sides. That's how I feel about it. Back over to you, Afro. What do you think about this young man's meltdown, Columbia University? I'm going to equate it to, I don't know if you guys saw the video of the black men, uh, I think they were Nigerian or something, that went into a cookhouse, uh, 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 like a a Starbucks-type place, and and they, they caught the the manager woman on video and and they're like, oh, they refusing to serve us. Oh, look at it. It's racist. It's racist. And then later on, you found out that these guys have hit there before and oh, slipped yeah. out on the bill and she remembered them. And, yeah. and, and, and as that all came down, then you hear, oh, well, hey, we're not supposed to... And she got her job back rightfully. Uh, and it just goes to show that all ki- uh, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Well, that's how I consider these guys in this video, or these women in this video. The reason why is you're pointing out that the women saying you you're not allowed this opinion. Da da da. I'm pointing out that early on in that video, you go speak up louder, repeat that again. To me, that goes. This thing is staged. You wanted to get this guy in trouble. Oh, but but as we get him in trouble, we'll get hit for whatever website or wherever we post this up. We're going to show the actual racist going on. It isn't organic. You are not helping any cause by this. All right? The kid, the kid came off wrong, but he had a valid point. Okay. Uh, I I know it's cool now to look at all white people as the enemy, but all white people aren't necessarily the enemy. You risk turning them into the enemy by doing stunts like this. Okay? Case in point, look at your news and look at uh, that that uh, ex-frat president or whatever that's going to skate on sexual assault charges. That's what your rally was supposed to be about, okay? That, oh, these privileged few 
they, they can do whatever they want just because it's white. They can get away with harming whoever, saying whatever, just because their skin is white, okay? You had a chance here with this white kid to have a dialogue, <laughs> and you didn't do it. You, you, instead of having something rational, a rational talk between the two, or a, a talk there, you chose A, my mentality, and B, to sensationalize what he did. Now, he got caught up in the emotion, and it's obvious he was on something, his own damn self, the way he was going on, because if I'm, if I'm doing like that, I'm not going to, oh, you told me to repeat it again after, t- no, and I would walk away, you know? So that's why I say this kid, he, he isn't perfect, perfectly, because if you're saying it that aggressively, it doesn't matter what you're on. There's something in there in you that 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 believes that without the influence of everything. But what I'm saying is, by how I'm sorry, black folk, I have to say it this way, by how you approach the situation, caught on camera, you invalidated the very points you were trying to make. Back to you, Afro nerd. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. I think, and I said this before, the fact that, you know, uh, you might have had a more nuanced conversation without this guy going off the rails. Like, look, how he really feels, I think, because, you know, they always say that uh, what people drink when they start drinking, drinking is truth serum. He feels this way. He went he went zero to 100, like Drake says. He went zero to 100. I, I, look, I, I don't really care about his um, – his love for white men and white culture and all that kind of stuff, because we know that does, that is a whole bunch of stuff uh, connected to that white nationalism. We know that we know what that is. Perhaps the president has emboldened and we've seen pockets of this. We've been emboldening some white people to profess these thoughts, whatever. And even, and even the irony that he's on Columbia university's campus and there's a book that I purchased a couple of years ago called Ebony, Ebony and Ivy, which I would advise the audience to purchase, Ebony and Ivy, hence Ivy League, where you start to understand just how embedded the business and the commerce of slavery is, even in the creation of our leading and esteemed educational institutions. Georgetown, Harvard, Princeton, Columbia, many of these schools that are centuries old, well, and, and have, you know, um, hundreds of millions of dollars in endowments, maybe even billions in endowments, the origins of the, the origins of that wealth, these students, that student who talks about how proud he is to be white, well, it's, again, even even in, in, with that esteemed university that you are attending, black blood, death, sweat, and tears are strewn in the very foundation of these institutions. But someone who's that off the rails is never going to attest to that. You know, you didn't do it by yourself. And this whole thing about, you know, white, uh, you know, development and, and white um, success, well, first of all, you didn't do it by yourself. This is, this is a, 
an international global affair, black, brown, yellow, white, with the success and movement of culture, not just Western culture. But he's not, he's not going to listen to that. He's not going to listen to that. So it's, it's, a wasted, it's a wasted conversation. But the fact that the black students had to say before it got nasty, well, you know, you're a white male with white privilege. You don't have a say. You don't have a say. You don't have an opinion. You're not allowed to have an opinion in, in any of this. I've heard, I've heard variations of that. Even if you're a black male, someone will say, well, you're a male. You don't have any say. Everyone has a ty- has entitled to their opinion. If you can't handle what this person says in a fair exchange, obviously, and Daryl, I think, uh, no, it was it was the captain. Many years, yeah, many years ago, you were allowed to have exchanges, even if you didn't agree with people. It was never, it was, it was never to this point where you would shut someone down that you were fearful of opinion. But these people think they are justified in shutting down people's thoughts. I don't get it. It's it's it is insane. It is insane. So let me. We got a couple of minutes remaining. Let me go to two one seven. This gentleman or young lady is calling in. So let's see what they have to say. Two one seven. Two one seven seven. Why can't I speak? Two one seven. Welcome to the midweek in review. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from, your thoughts. Uh, how you doing, sir? Uh, my name is Chris. I'm calling from East Central Illinois, and I wanted to ask you directly who is speaking before me. Uh, this is Debert from AfroNerd. No, no. Oh, uh, oh. Who, who is talking right before you were talking? Oh, that was Daryl. Yeah, Daryl B. Daryl. All right, Daryl. Uh, the the restaurant, the chain, was called Chipotle. <laughs> I okay, just want to be clear with you on that. So, yeah, that was Chipotle. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> eat there, so you know, I just wait. <laughs> What's up? See, uh, no, I just I just wanted to make because. Uh, there are a lot of weird things going on in America right now, and uh, uh, to be clear, I'm a white guy, but I uh, I did this thing when I grew up. I grew up around Hispanics, black folks, and Asians, <laughs> so so I can talk to anybody at any point in time and not change my language because I expect them to all understand the language. Actually, uh, a study came out the other day um, from Yale University where the liberal white people literally dumb down their language because they think black and brown people can't oh, understand big words. I saw that. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, what the hell is that? It's like you're calling everyone around you racist that doesn't agree with you, but you're actually racist. Well, no, let me no, say no. something. I, let, me, let me say something to you about that. Um, one, yep. I mean, you know, I, I respect that you had to identify your ethnicity, but that, that's kind of unnecessary. I mean, you know, it's just, oh, it's just it was a joke. It, just, it was a joke. It's, I, I hear you, but it's, it's not, I know what you know. Listen, this is, this is higher level show right here. The show is called Afroner, so it's no. I don't, we don't. We don't. It's not that deep, but um, it's funny that I have some respect for um, for for George Bush, Junior. That is because which one? Wait, it was, it, it, which was one? it was the, 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 well, not the one, not the deceased, the son. Okay. George <laughs> W. Bush. Bush. Not George H. Bush. George W. Bush <laughs> during his administration, one thing that was very clear that I actually liked is and what you're referencing, he said use the term the bigotry of low expectations. The bigotry of low expectations is exactly what is the what is that issue with liberals. Now and I'll say this much. 
again, I, I'm more on the conservative side. I'm, I'm a registered Republican. I'm not a Trumpian. I think Trump Trump is on something else. He's on a, he is uh, he is on something else. You know, I, my, my whole thing is, is that, my whole thing with Trump is this: Did he make you laugh at least once? More than that. <laughs> okay, then that's where you were at. <laughs> okay, okay. It, it, look, it, people want to bring this, want to make this into into some kind of political thing with Trump. It's not about politics. The man just seems to be inept. He's inept. It doesn't have the the comportment to be a president. You know, it's just a certain way you should you should act. You should know some things. You should be able to speak. I mean, it's, 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 I don't care if he's Republican. He's just he's just something else, right? Yeah, but, buddy. You and I, well, you and I are looking at this from two different angles. I think I that the think. president of the United States is going to do what he is told to do by the people who are actually in power, and well, President Trump is actually hilarious in the way that he treats people that he doesn't like. I mean, that, that's that's the difference for me. I don't know. I don't know if we're exactly different. I mean, I, I we have said before on the show that uh, the money people control. This is a corporatized government, so we've kind of said that before. So I hear what you're saying. But let's just let's go by what we see. I mean, on a surface level, how we see how we see this gentleman conducting himself, conducting himself, and the juxtaposition between himself and President Obama, who had to be so refined and well spoken. Again, uh, you know, the critique against Is Obama. That let me finish. Well, you don't think he was? He, he, he wasn't. I'm sorry, I'm not. He wasn't. To interrupt. A, go on, buddy. Go on. No, but he wasn't a corporate. He wasn't a corporate Harvard attorney versus this guy. That's the effery. I mean, there is a difference. In, in the, we can talk about politics, so we can talk about how you look before the world. President Obama, President Obama did not look like a buffoon before the world based on his comportment. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about just how you act as a, as a leader of a, of a world power. This is not just I don't guy. disagree with that. I mean, that's what's that issue. I don't care about the politics at this point. This guy doesn't look like he's ready for prime time. Well, Prime time is prime time. He's ready to be an entertainer, not to be a government leader. That's my problem. Well, can I okay, can I can I put forward Obama, something that you might not have considered? Let me let me finish my point. Obama, at least uh, this whole notion of him being a socialist and all that kind of stuff. Look, this guy is actually in league with so, former socialists. The irony is killing me. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. But go ahead. No, um, the first thing Obama did was his apology tour across the Middle East, right? Can we agree on that? He went over there and he was like, yeah, we're going to make everything better. We're going to give you resources. That was the first thing Obama did in his presidency. That, look, that's policy, man. I'm not even – I'm not disputing no, that. No, 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 no. I'm talking no, about how you act. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Hold <laughs> on. But that's an important point to make. <laughs> that's so important. The first thing he did – was go across the Middle East and apologize to a bunch of people that actually want to destroy America. And then what Trump did, the first thing he did, is he went over there and he was like, uh, yeah, you guys need to get your crap together because we're not here to save all of you all the time. We're not going to fund everything to defend you. And they actually did. Holy crap. Their defense mechanisms went up. They started raising counterterrorism units and doing all this crazy stuff. I don't think Trump – I think Trump is a – I think Trump is the lesser of two evils because obviously <laughs> with Hillary Clinton we'd be uh, we'd be back to the ending of Yugoslavia. We'd be fighting Russians right now. Well, well, look. Unfortunately, but, we got like seconds. We got like seconds remaining. You you called on some heavy stuff. We got like forty seconds remaining before we close shot. 
But let, look, your opinion is to be uh, respected. I don't necessarily agree with everything. I'm looking at it not really about policy. I'm just looking, I'm going by how a person acts as a world leader. And you're talking about apologies. We may be apologizing a game. There's going to be, there's going to be, you know, when you when you uh, screw around with your uh, allies like Canada, like Germany. I'm not sure about this guy. Anyway, feel free to call back. We're back. Uh, we do a blurdy show. We do a nerdy show. We do politics. We do all, everything. Um, but time is about up. So <laughs> thanks for calling, and we'll be back at it again next Sunday. Anyway, uh, folks, it's been real. we got to close shop. Sunday, 6 p.m., going out with more Christmas stuff. Uh, let's keep it still. You know, look, I hate – I don't say I hate. I like playing my uh, Afropunk and my – and my rock, but we got to keep it, uh, you know, we got to keep it with the season. This is James Brown. Hey, America. It's been real. Sunday. Hey, America. It's Christmas.